able to attend today. Uh, yes, you're correct. Uh, at this point, we do have a quorum. Um, so we can go ahead and get started with the meeting. Um, Okay, I, I do apologize, Michelle. The um, um, I had some internet issues and I wasn't able to connect to the network, so I can't pull up the special instructions file, so I can't read it off. Um, but I can give a brief summary from what I remember, if that's okay with everyone. That's fine with me. I, I don't have them, otherwise I'd read them. So, okay. sorry. All right, and I apologize for that. Um, Basically, um, this meeting is taking place uh, as a hybrid method. Um, commission uh, perk members are gonna be here online, um, but myself uh, as a city staff is gonna be here in person. Um, it doesn't look like we have anybody in the room for uh, public comment right now. Um, but otherwise, uh, just remember to every time you speak um, to unmute yourself and if you can uh, turn your camera on just so that you show up on the window. Um, and then state your name um, every time so that way people know who you are when they're watching the recording of this, just in case you don't pop up immediately. Um, I believe that's that's the summary of it. So if you want to go ahead and get started, Michelle, um, we can get we can get it going. All right. And just a reminder that when you speak to make sure you state your name, too which I have a hard time remembering myself. So I am Michelle Fells, and I'm going to call the June 15th PERC meeting to order. And the first item on our agenda, well, wait a second, I'm sorry, I have to do a roll call. So um, I'm just gonna go through the members. Um, so I have Kate Lorenz. Present. John Matthews. Present. Adam Ritchie. Present. Brad Burnside. I know he's there. Brad? I think he may be having some, some phone difficulties. Um, I, it looked like he was dropping in and out of the meeting. Um, yeah, he had he, trouble last time too. So, okay. Um, and then Kay Emerson. I'm here, present. All right, and I believe both Christina and Patrick are out today. So thank you, and I'm Michelle Fails, I'm here. All right, so the first item on our agenda is to approve the May 16th, 2022 meeting minutes. So everyone should have been able to review those ahead of time. Does anybody have any changes or comments on those? Michelle, I'd like to make a motion to approve the minutes from May. All right. John has made a motion to approve. Any second? Hi, Michelle. This is Adam. I will second. All right. So we have a motion to approve the uh, minutes from May um, from John and a second from um, Adam. So we'll go through and do a vote. Uh, Kate. Aye. John? Aye. Adam? Aye. Brad? Okay. 
Uh, Kay? Aye. I'm an aye. And so we have approval of five in favor. Uh, Brad, I guess, would be a, a silent uh, recusal and then uh, no. So the approval of the minutes do pass. So the next item on the agenda is to consider a request from DCCCA for the industrial revenue bond financing to obtain a sales tax exemption on construction materials to build a new service facility located at 1739 East 23rd Street here in Lawrence. So uh, Sam's gonna give us a brief explanation on that. All right, um, so I'm just gonna go through a brief rundown of our uh, technical our staff technical memo i'm going to go ahead and share that just so that everyone can kind of see it um okay can everyone see it? i just want to make sure it's all working okay um so i'm gonna kind of go over a high level because i really want daca to be able to speak to their organization and their project as a whole um so uh daca today is uh requesting an economic development assistance for their project at 1739 uh, east 23rd street to construct a new facility um, for some additional services uh, for an expansion of services that they're looking to provide um the uh Cap, the total capital investment for the project is approximately $7.9 million. Um, their employment, um, which is a, uh, an approximation of an expansion of services will result um, over, over the coming years, about 18 full-time jobs. Um, they look to start construction um, July 1st or as early July as possible. Um, and they hope to get the whole thing operational by February, 2024. Um, I did, uh, Britt and I had realized kind of at the two meetings ago with the Cedarhurst project, we maybe had not gone through industrial revenue bonds with some of the newer members. Um, so I just kind of wanted to do a quick review of just a high level of what that is and how it relates to the sales tax exemption. Um, so basically industrial revenue bonds are a state program um, whereby in order to uh, receive the sales tax exemption given by the state, um, we kind of have to uh, guise the property under a, a state entity or a, a state govern or a, a governed entity. Um, so through a very, I won't go through the whole thing because it's a little confusing legal process, but essentially um, uh, the property for the duration of the bonds, um, the property is leased to the city from the entity, which in there allows it to be a, a low, a, a governed entity, a, a governed property or a government owned property in which they can then use the uh, project uh, exemption certificate that they receive to then get that sales tax exemption. The lease ends as soon as the project is done um, as well as the bonds are repaid. Um, and the bonds are not, uh, the, the bonds are solely um, the responsibility of the company, the city, the county and the school board do not take responsibility for those. Um, and so if there's an issue where the bonds were to default or anything like that, um, it is the, the applicant or the, the entities or the, the uh, private entities responsibility to pay those uh, bonds back or the, any fees related to that. 
Um, that was kind of a high level overview. Um, I try not to get too into the weeds of it because um, it is, we, we have bond counsel for a reason. Um, it's not something that the typical person can go through, but um, that's just kind of where it's at. Um, the, I will, the other distinction I will make is with the bond issuance, um, the bond issuance is for the entire, the entire cost of the project. Um, so with that, that estimated 7.9 capital investment, that is the value of the bonds that are being issued, but that is not the, um, the savings that are given through that are, that are for the company, but then te you know, technically lost to the city and the county and the state are not the same value. We just have to be able to, the, per the state statute, the bond value has to cover the entire project. And that's why the bond value is so high. Um, and in a second, I can get into some of that. So um, if you wanna, these are some of the IRB um, review criteria. I won't go through all of them. Um, I, I think everyone probably had a chance to look at them. If anybody has any questions, we can go through that at the end. Um, the other kind of consideration I want to give is, so this is a community um, asset project or community, community development project. The main goal isn't primary job creation or housing or anything like that. Um, this is merely to support a, a local nonprofit um, to continue the, the valuable work that they provide to the community that the city doesn't, um, should they share the responsibility that the governance of this kind of support. Um, and so the, the previous IRBs that we've issued that I kind of want to highlight are for the uh, boys and, or let's start with uh, TNM properties, the heartland project, which is another nonprofit that we supported. Um, their bond value was about um, six and a half million. Um, and if you want to correlate project value to tax savings, um, you can kind of equate it to that. So they received probably roughly the same amount of tax savings, or we approve the same amount of tax savings. Um, and the other one is the Boys and Girls Club. Um, that one was around 5 million. Um, so again, if you kind of want to equate bond value to the potential savings, it's, it's a little short, um, but we do have a history of approving community development projects like this for IRB sales tax exemptions. Um, so for the estimated sales tax savings for the company, um, and this is a, what I will say is the high end value. Um, this is the assumption that they spend every dollar for, um, every, every sales tax dollar comes from um, spending on, spending inside the city of Lawrence, inside Douglas County and inside the state. Um, we kind of, we, we try not to step too outside the bounds because um, we would you know, like, them, like them as much as possible to spend within the state and especially within the city. Um, but we know with supply chain issues and shortages and anything like that, we certainly don't want to hold them to that kind of requirement. Um, so this is just a best guess if they were to spend every single dollar inside Lawrence. Um, so the sales tax savings um, from the city would be roughly 40,000 um, from the county, about 30,000. Um, the school district does not collect sales tax. Um, and then the state is roughly 170,000. Um, for the project origination fees, um, it is in, it is the city's policy to waive origination fees for, um, for IRB sales tax exemption or IRB requests, um, from nonprofits. 
Um, and so in the city's recommendation to PERC and then later to the city commission is that we waive um, the origination fee, which there is also a history for the Heartland and Boys and Girls Club. We waive those origination fees as well. Um, let's see. That basically goes through our technical report. Did anybody have any questions on that before we move forward with DACA's presentation? Okay. Um, all right. So whoever, Nick, Lori, or Jim, whoever's got the presentation queued up, um, let me just double check. Uh, you should be good to share your screen and kind of go through your presentation. Okay. I will start, Sam. Thank you. I'm Lori Alvarado, the CEO at DECA. I am trying to share my screen and it says I do not have the ability to do that. I'm disabled. There we go. Okay. I just, yeah. Perfect. Thank you. It just evidently was slow responding on my end. Thank you all. Good afternoon. We appreciate the opportunity to share with you a little bit about our agency and about our project. So with your permission, I will start with an overview of our organization, and uh, then we'll talk about the project specifically. So um, we are from DECA, headquartered here in Lawrence. So just really quickly, just kind of the nuts and bolts. We are a 501c3 registered with the state of Kansas. We are an accredited and nationally accredited organization for social service delivery. And you see our mission statement there that we provide social and community services uh, to improve the safety, health, and well-being of those we serve. And we shorten our mission to improving lives, but that's really what uh, we are are all about. So I would like to take just a moment. We do have a video that tells you a little bit about our agency. So I'm going to play it and I hope that uh, technology works and you all can see the video. So um, hopefully everything will work. I think no matter what it is that we do within our organization at the core, it's about helping Uh, Lori, it looks like we lost the sound. Um, can you still hear it on your end? I'm sorry? Uh, it looks like we lost the sound for the video. Oh, sorry. Let me start again. Sorry about that. I'll go back really quickly. Their legal name. And while those who are at risk of losing their children. The work we do is tough, and research and data specifically allows us to be able to make the case that not only what we're doing, what we say we're doing, but what we're doing is actually helping people. DECA Incorporated is our legal name, and while those letters don't stand for anything officially, we do have a slogan that guides our work, developing caring communities committed to action. What I really love about DECA is that we really are working towards that improving lives. While all of our programs might do something a little bit different, that's our core. It's important that we're able to approach whatever need comes in our door and figure out how to make a connection. 
either internally to services that we provide or externally to important partners that we can collaborate with to make a better plan for health and safety and well-being. And it's not just the program services. I have an opportunity to work with finance department and HR department. I know that their heart is in the same place as mine. It doesn't matter what department you work in. It is that for the greater good of somebody else, we want to be able to serve. At the end of the day, when we're knitting services together to serve the people that come to us, we're about improving lives. So it might be the health or the safety or the well-being of a family a client, a community. It's all about improving lives. And they really are all about taking care of people. Everything we do has some aspect of protecting or educating the public and the communities that we serve. I wanted to be able to serve my community and go home at the end of every day feeling like I gave back and that I have a purpose and that I'm helping others. And I really found that in the work that we do. The impact that we have at Deccan, the ways in which we reach the community is pretty incredible. So I wanted to take just a minute after you've heard a little bit about our services to give you just a brief update. I'm not going to go through this history slide, but we were founded in 1974 here in Lawrence. It is our, um, our roots came, came from Douglas County. Uh, we were founded by a community organization, a group of community citizens that believed uh, substance use treatment needed to happen in Lawrence. So we owe our history to a group of concerned citizens, and that has been basically our foundation. So you see that we've grown. We are um, expanding our work almost every single day and adding to the work that we do. But just a brief history slide there. I wanted to spend just a couple of minutes uh, before I hand over for the project to talk a little bit about the specific services we do have in Lawrence and Douglas County. In our behavioral health area, substance abuse treatment, both outpatient and residential, as well as mental health outpatient treatment. We provide residential treatment for women and their children, and we call that First Step at Lakeview. It's located on 31st Street. And then on 23rd Street, we offer outpatient treatment right now for substance use and mental health services. So you see there that all of our staff come from a trauma-informed approach. And at the bottom there, you see just some ideas of the services that we do provide. And at our residential center, we do have childcare on site. We partner with Positive Bright Start to provide uh, childcare for our residents as well as community residents. Our prevention services are all about taking care of folks and issues prior to them starting. So we are very um, actively engaged in Douglas County with Engage Douglas County Coalition, which has well over 30 organizations that come together to implement evidence-based prevention programs and to implement policies to reduce substance abuse and misuse, as well as suicide prevention. Uh, we work closely and have um, brought together the Youth Prevention Board, which is nearly 60 students across the county um, in a youth-led initiative to educate and support their peers. Uh, we've implemented evidence-based practices at elementary schools and high schools and with Boys and Girls Club and all kinds of other community agencies that help us work towards prevention. Traffic safety is another area that we've been engaged with for well over 25 years, um, mainly with a partnership with Kansas Department of Transportation, but also AAA and some other organizations that support safety in traffic. 
DECA developed a nationally recognized a teen seatbelt uh, seatbelt program called SAFE. You see the logo there. It is a national best practice, and we work closely with schools. And we provide education and resources related to child passenger safety, uh, teen driving, impaired driving, distracted driving, and senior driving. We work closely with uh, safe kids in Douglas County, and we train all of the folks in the county who know how to install those child seats. Um, and every year those get more confusing to install safely. So we help people know how to do that so that they can train parents. We also offer family preservation services and hold the contract uh, for from Department for Children and Families with the state of Kansas. Uh, we focus on strengths building and competency development with families and work in partnership with other agencies. And the whole goal is to remain, um, have the kids remain safely at home and prevent foster care. So we work with community agencies and work hard to um, really get to the root causes of issues in the family and then uh, develop plans to strengthen them. You see at the bottom there are sobriety treatment and recovery teams. We are the only agency in the state that provides child welfare services with a specific focus on uh, treating substance use. We know that more than half of the kids that come into custody in the state of Kansas come into custody because of parental substance abuse issue. And because we have both child welfare and substance abuse expertise, we've blended that to implement um, a national best practice in sobriety treatment and recovery teams, which we call START. And then our child placing agency is what we do to support foster homes. So we train, recruit, and support foster homes. And we do that all the way from initial contact all the way to if someone is interested in adoption. So that is something that we have done for well over uh, 12 years. And our job there is to really support the parents that are providing the services and their home to the kids. We also provide uh, respite care in Douglas County in conjunction with Burt Nash for kids on the uh, severely emotionally disturbed waiver for the state of Kansas. So that's a brief overview of the services we provide. I'm now going to turn it over to Nick McGovern, who is uh, DECA's Director of Facilities, and he's been ushering our project on 23rd Street and Harper. So Nick, I will uh, continue to click through the slides and um, follow you along as you share some information and then hand it over to Jim. Perfect. Thanks, Lori. Uh, again, I'm Nick McGovern, uh, Director of Operations for DECA. Um, and uh, I'm excited to share with you a little bit about the project. So uh, about, uh, about six years ago, uh, Lori and I, uh, went into the endeavor of looking at exploring a new uh, service delivery building for our out, outpatient services uh, for DECA. Um, it, it's, been a, it's been a long need because the current facility that we have there is, is the old India Elementary School um, that we've housed out of. So we've had, um, we've had a lot of repairs and a lot of issues over the years. And it's now just kind of came full circle um, where we're able to uh, present this project. So uh, we looked all around Lawrence um, and kind of did a lay of the land and a heat study of uh, where our clientele 
uh, really best served. And, and at that time, we, we did the heat study and we found that the majority of our clients uh, were on that side of town. Uh, we found it important to stay uh, within good proximity to the homeless shelter and the jail, along with um, the great bus route uh, along 23rd Street. So with current, with already owning the 5.3 acres there at, um, at 23rd and Harbor, we decided to parcel it and, and build a new facility um, on the other three acres of, of the parcel. Um, one, of, one of our important aspects throughout this project was being able to stay operational for our current service delivery uh, while the construction project's going on. So this will help us not disrupt service to our community, uh, but also uh, position us for uh, a nice facility for the future. Uh, so Lori, if you wanna click to the next slide. Um, there we go. So if you see here, uh, we, have, we have the parcel slit on the right side of the, the project. Uh, that is DECA's current facility, um, the old India Elementary School. So you can see the entrance comes in on 23rd Street uh, and kind of dead ends there. And everything on the left side currently is uh, the the uh, the grass space and that's currently where we're looking at building our new facilities so we have a 17,200 square foot uh, facility um, with around 108 parking stalls and then a detention pond at the bottom uh, to the neighborhood back there so we also would be adding a entrance and exit off of Harbor uh, to help alleviate some of the traffic pressure uh, coming in and in and out of 23rd Street. Go to the next slide. So currently, if you kind of peek, take a quick peek at, at our slide, the, the top right is our drug and alcohol treatment individual uh, counseling offices. So these, these are where our customers and clients will come in for our one-on-ones. Um, then we have small groups right there where the laser is. So those will um, do one or two hours of group counseling sessions. Um, if you come back and circle in uh, through the front door, uh, we've, we've kind of made this open and, and inviting, um, trying to continue that trauma-informed care approach of welcoming and inviting. So you'll be greeted by, uh, by the front desk person. There'll be a coffee station. Uh, we'll have high vaulted ceilings. But just trying to embrace the warm and welcoming a feeling. So if you continue down here to the very bottom of the facility, um, we currently have a 50 person conference room. So part of our prevention services is what they do is they do large gatherings, uh, meetings for, uh, you know, 50 50 individuals uh, that come and work on coalitions and prevention and, and uh, those kinds of things. So if you jump to the west wall, Lori, right there, 
Yeah, that is our child placing agency area. So these are our workers who work with kids that are placed in our foster homes. So a lot of times they're they're holding one on ones. A lot of times they're out with family. So a lot of these um, a lot of these workers are constantly in and out. Um, and then. Uh, that will be our family preservation area. So that is our DCF contract where um, those workers work with reintegrating kids back into the home. Uh, that is uh, a supervisor office and then three or four workers. Again, those, those workers are in and out. So uh, we've kind of created a lot of flex spacing for um, come and go workers. Uh, yeah. So then we've also at the very bottom have thought about the future of DECA. So currently down there, we have built out about 3,000 square feet to 2,500 to 3,000 square feet of shelf spacing. Just trying to think of let's build it now in preparation for the future. So it is just a rough, rough shell. Um, you know, we put the corridor um, in the corners for ADA exiting, uh, but we don't envision using this. It's just, um, we're gonna try to build it now and and hope, it, hope, uh, hope to fill it later. So if you go to the next slide, Lori. So this is kind of with the furniture layout. Uh, really the only thing kind of different here is it's showing the conference chairs in the conference room and then along with the cube, the cubicle set up in the middle for our child placing agency. So here's a rough rendering of the exterior. So the top picture will be what would be facing the parking lot. Uh, so you'll walk up to a covered entrance, to a double door, um, to, to, our, um, to our office admin. Um, if you go down here, that's, there's uh, to the third picture, that is actually the rendering that what you will see along 23rd Street. And then the bottom picture would be the rough rendering of what will be behind the trees along Harper. This picture, picture is just some more um, elevations of what the exterior um, would look like. So we kind of have um, the elevated high ceiling in the entrance area, uh, along with some ephus and brick. Um, some metal casing around the windows, which try to try to blend it into the to the land. The next picture. Yeah. So here's the, the last picture. This is kind of the rough rendering of the front entrance. You come in through the double doors. Uh, we'll have a, a small waiting room around the corner. There's the coffee station, high vaulted ceilings with, with a lot of natural light, uh, along with, with DECA's front, front staff. And at that time, I'll turn it over to Jim 
And uh, Jim is uh, Jim is with Bartlett and West. Uh, Bartlett and West has partnered uh, with DECA to assist us with uh, our our future uh, service building. Yeah, can you hear me all right? Can you hear me? We can hear you, Jim. Yes, oh, Jim. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah, my name is Jim Renner. I'm with Bartlett and West. I lead uh, Bartlett and West Design Build Group. I'm the group uh, design build manager for the company. And uh, Becca in, uh, invited us to be a, a partner with them on the project a year ago, about a year ago, uh, to uh, develop this new facility uh, in a de design build fashion. It's been a great experience. Uh, we, we have the responsibility of uh, uh, entire design of the facility, and uh, we're preparing to uh, look at getting the, the building started uh, here before too long, too. Uh, but I just kind of wanted to give you uh, an outline of uh, some of the things that we've taken into consideration uh, for the, uh, the building and, and wanted to really express that we uh, we pay attention to um, the needs of the current building and the expectations the community has to the responsibilities of uh, facilities like that or of uh, groups like DECA and, and uh, us uh, that are developing these to be responsible for sustainability and and efficiency. Um, wanted to point out that you know Nick talked about um, how they studied did a site selection study basically to, to see where this needed to be, where it really belonged based on a heat map. And uh, that, that alone is a it's kind of a, a sustainability approach being where where you need and where the where the uh, uh, stakeholders really have access to the facility and, and making it uh, you know easily accessible. Uh, so that was a lot of uh, uh, the initial considerations, but as we began to uh, uh, look through the design of the facility and uh, set some expectations, there, there's a number of things, and I'll just kind of talk through some of the, the things that we've uh, integrated into design. We're looking to have uh, some electric power charging uh, capability on in the parking lot areas so that we can uh, uh, provide some access to that. Uh, we do have bike storage for uh, folks that are going to be uh, using the facility with bikes so that there's um, good uh, facilities for that. Um, we make it a, uh, a priority to uh, utilize and, and specify efficient lighting and efficient mechanical systems and uh, looking for the, the best uh, solutions for DECA and the best uh, you know, best considering the, the energy use and all that, too. And one of the things I wanted to mention is that uh, DECA is uh, engaged with Steve Hughes, a uh, local uh, engineer, engineering firm in Lawrence that uh, acts as a owner's representative for them, kind of oversees the project on behalf of DECA and provides uh, input and recommendations and Steve all along has been encouraging uh, looking at energy efficiency, uh, 
low CO2 impact uh, kind of a design and equipment. And uh, it's been really good having him as a part of uh, design development and, and providing those inputs. Um, we also, part of the design uh, kind of uh, environment exposure that we've got uh, sun exposure and daylighting on the interior spaces that's uh, important to kind of healthy work environments. Uh, do that with some uh, ribbon windows at the top of the high walls and, and just good window locations throughout, uh, especially in the open office areas, trying to give uh, access to the um, cubicle area, uh, office areas to sunlight. In construction, we're going to be um, uh, collecting waste material, waste uh, construction materials and recycling as much of that as possible. There's a, a lot of that that is able to be recycled and it's pretty much a practice now. It's best for contractors to uh, uh, try and look for some return on some of those, uh, uh, some of that waste and get some money for that too. Um, but also look to uh, specify and utilize uh, low VOC materials uh, so that there's uh, not those odors and chemical uh, concerns. Um, we, we integrated water bottle filling stations uh, within the building. And uh, DECA is a tobacco-free organization. So that's another uh, point to, to kind of uh, note for the kind of facility that this will be too. So just uh, kind of highlight the, um, the the sense of responsibility to the community that we have with some of these sustainability actions that we integrate into the project. Sam, I think with that, that concludes our presentation and we're happy to answer questions. All right, thank you. Um, so, uh, PERC members, any questions you would like to ask? This is Kate Lorenz. Um, I just have a comment. I wanted to thank you all for your presentation, um, Lori, Nick, and Jim, and say that uh, I especially appreciate the um, detailed explanation of the sustainability efforts and how they relate to making the building, um, you know, better for people and more usable and better for employees. And, and so I appreciate how not only you went through that, but also tied into how that really um, uh, is integrated into the experience of, of folks working in and using your building. So thank you very much. Great. Um, any other questions, comments? John, any questions? Uh, no, no questions for me. I'm assuming there is no one um, present at the City Hall for questions as well. Is that correct? Still? Yeah, I think uh, they said no one for public. No one yet. Public. Okay. Yep. Uh, Adam, any questions? Um, yeah. I have a, a question, if I can. There it is. Um, I'm just curious, you know, what the likelihood is of you doing the project if you don't get uh this industrial revenue bond the likelihood of us doing the project is still um it's still going to go forward what we would then need to think about is 
the costs and what other things we would have to sacrifice in the building that we planned. Obviously, we would want to um, stick with some of, some of um, the sustainability pieces because as Kate mentioned, it's great for our clients. It's also great for our staff that work there. But we would have to reevaluate what um, we wouldn't be able to complete or finish, but um, the project would go forward just with some uh, sacrifices that we would um, likely not want to do, but obviously you don't get to everything you want. So we understand that. Sure. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, Adam, to, to kind of piggyback on that, um, you know, Lori and I uh, went into this endeavor uh, three years ago. And um, as COVID hit and costs have went through the roof, uh, her and I really had to lean in and uh, work hard and try to figure out ways to make our not-for-profit dollars work harder. Um, so this is just, uh, you know, this, this is helping us get to a, a point where we have a, a nice a nice facility. Yeah, as you know, costs have increased. When we first um, did the specs on this project, it was around five million. So we've seen it increase by nearly three million since we started. So, uh, yes, it's been an interesting endeavor in the time frame that we've undergone the planning. Thank you, Adam. Any other questions, Adam? Nope. All right. Kay, you have any questions or comments? Uh, this is Kay. You know, uh, I don't have any questions or comments on this particular one. I think uh, it's just really important for individuals who are receiving these services to be able to go into a space um, that is uh, supportive of the work that um, and services that they are receiving. Um, and so uh, this is one of these things that for me, um, I'm ready to vote. Great, thanks, Kay. Um, maybe I'm missing it, but I who is going to construct the building? Maybe I'm missing that in the notes. Bartlett and West with BHS Construction. BHS, and where are they based out of? BHS is uh, home based out of Manhattan. Okay. Um, we're the Bartlett and West is the prime construction manager, uh, prime contract holder with uh, with Becca. And DHS entered into this project, uh, this design build with us as a partner to help support the project. Great. So they're kind of like your subcontractor. Yeah. And then they'll use subcontractors under that. Correct. Will they be using subcontractors out of Manhattan or some local contractors just for my own curiosity? Um, we really uh, plan to to be utilizing the, the local contractors as much as possible. There's a, there's a balance between inviting the local contractors and and really uh, uh, recruiting uh, contractors broadly to, to get in good bids for all of the work to take place. So we certainly right. are uh, approaching the contractors locally in Lawrence. Okay, great. I know between cost and uh, uh, schedule, that can have a lot of uh, bearing these days. So Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm on a board of a not-for-profit and uh, from the time we took the bid and decided to start it, it almost doubled in price. So I understand. Um, I think that was really the only question um, 
I had, you know, my only comment is I'm, I'm happy to see that you used a local engineering um, firm architect. And, uh, and just my comment is I like to see when I drive by a project, but is a lot of local contractors when at all possible, but that's just me and my construction experience. I like to see that. So, um, so uh, any other questions from the members that have come up? All right, and any other comments from anybody else in um, attendance? All right, well, we'll go ahead and uh, take a motion if there is one from the members. Uh, this is uh, Kay uh, Emerson. Uh, I a motion that we uh, go ahead and <clears throat> approve uh, the request from DECA uh, as it has been written and presented to us. Great, thanks Kay. Any second to that? Michelle, this is John Matthews, like second. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry, okay. Kate, sorry. I'll take John's second. Uh, thank you. I don't know who else was that, but, uh, but thank you. Uh, I like the uh, excitement. Um, all right, we're going to go roll call vote. So, Kate Lorenz. I'm laughing John's faster at the Jeopardy buzzer than I am today. <laughs> this is Kate Lorenz, and I vote yes. Uh, John? Hi. Okay, uh, Adam? Yes. All right, and Brad is recusing himself. Uh, Christina's out. Okay. Yes. And I am a yes. So with five in favor, zero nays, and let's see, one recusal and two members out, we have a recommendation to our uh, commissioners for uh, this proposal. So thank you, everyone. Um, and the last item on our agenda is just any other items that anyone would like to bring up. Are there any? I would just say thank you all so much. I appreciate the support. All right. Thanks, Lori. Um, this is Kate. I also wanted to thank Sam for the um, refresher on the IRB and the bond process. That was very easy to understand. And even though I'm not uh, the newest on the board, it was still very helpful. So thank you. Great. Yeah, Sam, uh, Sam Camp, ED analyst, um, and I can, uh, Gilmore and Bell, who's our bond council, provided us with a, like a full one or two pager on the IRB process. Um, I'm happy to send that to the board members as well. Um, so you can all read that through it. That would be it. great. Yeah, great. That'd be awesome. All right. Any other questions, comments? All right. Do I have a recommendation to adjourn? This is Kay. I recommend we adjourn. All right. Any seconds on that? This is Adam. Second. All right. All in favor, we'll just take a aye. 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 <laughs> All right. And anyone want to just stay on and enjoy the afternoon? <laughs> All right. I didn't think so. All right. Well, everybody have a great one. And thank you for taking time out of your day. Bye, everyone. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Thanks, Sam. Yeah.